Welcome to the Become Fire podcast, a ministry of the Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit. If you'd like to learn more about this community, visit them on the web at www.becomefire.faith. That's dot F-A-I-T-H. Now, here are the Friars. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Become Fire podcast. It is your host, Father Anthony Tinker, FHS, here with co-host extraordinaire. I don't always say extraordinaire. I say something better like co-hosts stupendous. Wow. Thank you. The man, the myth, the legend himself, Father Peter Teresa McConnell. FHS. We are FHS. Novice director, postulant director, finance director. <laughs> what are the titles? <laughs> assistant vocation. Yeah. Assistant yeah, formation. Yeah. yeah. Praise God. Uh, vicar, Praise. parochial vicar for two parishes and nine mission isn't, churches. Isn't it like one of those things, like the more things at the end of your name is kind of like not... Like, that's not like, I mean, <laughs> it's like impossible to do all the things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, well, definitely. That's like, I don't, like, I want to see people who like have their title yeah. in the email thing. I, I don't like put the title. No. Unless yeah. it's like, I need like something official. I'll put like one of the titles. Yeah. Like, oh, this yeah. is like a parish email. I'll put pastor. Yeah. Oh, this is like. What hat am I wearing today? Community you know, servant. Yeah. And you know, I'll do that. So For like, sure. <laughs> not yep. going to put all the titles here. It's. Nope. Don't need the ego trip. And uh, One day I'll be free of all these titles. I'm looking to get, get rid of them. I'll just be at FHS. Yeah. That'll be great. Maybe I'll be retired <clears throat> and loving life. Amen. Hello, in Ireland. In Ireland, yes. My brother's in Ireland right now. Wow. Okay, so just to get everything started, he went to a bar. This true story. He says, I want the most popular beer in Ireland. <laughs> They brought him a Coors Light. No way, dude. No way. <laughs> he sent us a picture. He's like, I, he's like, I just asked for the most popular beer in Ireland, and here's what I got, and it's a picture of a Coors Light. They're, are they messing with him? No, I don't think so. That's hilarious. I think it's just Can't like trust- a popular thing, you know? Well, good Cheap. for Coors. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just fizzy water with it's a little fizzy. flavor. Exactly. Okay, we are on... Uh, the Seven Sorrows Rosary. Not beer. Not beer. Okay. But you, sometimes you use beer to so- drown your sorrows. <laughs> and it's our encouragement not to do yeah, that this Lent. Yeah, yeah. It's also a Friday when we're recording this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just the fasting Friday and mm-hmm. a lot sure. going on. We have a come and see going on. Yeah, some guys visiting us have been great. Guys visiting, it was wonderful. We've got the Mulchata, which is this huge event. Yeah. Uh, like one, a, one of the biggest events of the year on Gila River. Mm-hmm. We have a wedding this weekend. Yeah. So it is fun times. Fun times to be a friar. Yeah. <clears throat> With all that being said, um, and then uh, it's the feast of Saint Joseph. So we're going to end today a little preview on yes. Just so you've when you're listening. Well, you're listening when this, this is being released, who knows when released. you're listening? It's released on Tuesday, I think. So you're just when oh, you're listening. Okay. Yeah. You've just celebrated because this year we're celebrating the feast of Saint Joseph on a Monday. Um, yeah. And so we are going to talk at the end, our little extra thing we do to associate ourselves with the rosary. Let's talk mm-hmm. about the seven sorrows of Joseph. So He's got them little, too, man. little preview about the sorrows that Joseph endures. Yep. But first, we are on the crucifixion. We're sorrows the of Our Lady. Fifth sorrow of Our Lady. Mm-hmm. And it's Our Lady being there at the foot of the cross. Yeah. Um, I really, I want, just want to start right into the deep end with John's gospel. Mm-hmm. And the beautiful, beautiful line of Jesus up on the cross and looking down at his mother and the beloved <clears throat> saying, woman, behold your son. Mm-hmm. And to his beloved disciple, behold your mother. Mm-hmm. Can you just give a little bit of a, a theological explanation to our people today as to what the significance of those phrases are? Sure. So one of the the really wild and neat things about John's gospel is that he never names himself in the gospel. He names all the other apostles and he calls himself the beloved um, because he really was truly that. Um, but not out of like hubris or arrogance, like sticking it to the other. I'm like, Hey, I'm the beloved. Um, 
But it's also then this invitation for the reader to then put themselves in John's place, uh, that you are also the beloved disciple as well. And so when our Lord then uh, has this, this moment with, with, with John and, and Our Lady saying, behold your son and behold your mother, that he is giving all of us to Our Lady, to his mother, and then giving uh, her to all of us as mother. And so it is this moment in which uh, she is in a, in a real way stepping into um, a very, very deep way, deep, deep revelation, I guess we might say, of just her universal maternity, her universal motherhood, um, that she is really all of our mothers um, in a spiritual sense. And so that's um, one of the things that's happening here at this moment. Yeah. Another one I think that's <clears throat> very important mm -hmm. is Jesus says, woman. Yes, and that's so right. This is very explicit. It's actually a beautiful reflection upon the times that in John's gospel, mm -hmm. the word woman is used. And it's very important because Eve is not named until mm -hmm. after the fall. When in Genesis chapter two, mm. it's just woman. Yeah, And woman is the one who endures the fall. And then she's named mother of all the living afterwards. That's so interesting. And yeah. so it's this, it's this pointing right back to John, which begins in the beginning. That's it's, right. it's very much a Genesis. Yes. You know, he's, he's looking at the lens of Genesis and the, the, the fall of man and Jesus coming to redeem man. And here Jesus is speaking to her and saying, woman, not in a derogatory way, but in a very specific way of I'm calling you That's right. the, what, the <clears throat> title of she who was from man from mm -hmm. the beginning, that just as I come forth from your womb, you are now going to be the the woman, the perfect woman, the woman without sin, yeah. who can spiritually beget all the church, mm -hmm. the body of Christ, yeah. and to be mother of all the living. Yeah. Also, all that to say, if Jesus actually had brothers and sisters, this is true. If Mary had other children, it would have been totally insulting That's to right. be giving her to somebody else. <laughs> yes. It's another proof, if you're looking for proofs, mm -hmm. that Mary didn't have any other children. Right. It would be uh, Jesus was her only son because he has to give someone to care for her, mm -hmm. uh, which would have been the proper Jewish thing to do at the time. Yes. And, and if we, if, you know, if we recall that, that John, John is the only one who relates the, the story of the wedding feast at Cana. And so you're talking about when is this um, term woman used other times. And, and so when Jesus says, you know, woman, what does this have to do with me? It's not this derogatory term, term that he's using towards his mother, um, but he is addressing her, you know, as this, um, as this new Eve figure. Um, which, was, I, which is, it's at a wedding. Yes. And here he's up on the cross. Mm -hmm. And how does he finish John's gospel? It is consummated. Yes. We turns out oftentimes it is finished, but the literal translation is, mass, it is yeah. consummated. Mm -hmm. Like I'm consummating the marriage. My death is consummating my wedding with my bride, who is the church. And Mary is the, <clears throat> the, the perfect prefigurement of the church mm -hmm. right there in that moment, that she is the model and example. She is the woman made church, the virgin made church. I don't know off the top of my head uh, for the, the Greek word that John uses uh, for, and from that day forward, he received him, uh, received her. Yeah. But uh, Pope St. John Paul II really talks about how this reception is not just, oh, okay, that, that she lived under John's roof now and he provided for her, you know, material, temporal needs. But there's also this 
interior reception of Our Lady into like all of his being, like his soul and his heart, that he receives Mary um, in, in, a, in a deep interior way as well. And so we who are, are supposed to put ourselves in John's place then are also now invited to, to receive Mary um, uh, into our interior life, into our interior space and into our hearts and our souls as well. And so here we are talking about the seven sorrows, mm-hmm. reflecting on the seven sorrows. And you say, Father, how are you You're going straight to this beautiful line yeah. where Mary becomes mother of the whole church? Yeah. And how, you know, you're kind of pointing, how is this a sorrow? Mm-hmm. Well, a couple of things I want to point to that is first, the, the reason it is so sorrowful, the reason she becomes the mother is because her heart's being pierced, mm-hmm. that she's experiencing death. Though she does not physically die, she's experiencing an emotional death, watching her own son die. I can't imagine. I've heard it's the most painful thing a woman can go through is yeah. to watch her to watch her own child die. And imagine yeah, if, you, if it's your own child dying a crucifixion, who you know is innocent, not only innocent, you know it's God being crucified. And so there's this terrible, terrible sorrow that's <clears throat> opening up her heart emotionally. There's a spiritual death, a total darkness she's experiencing yeah. as she's dying uh, with her son in that moment. And so the, the sword that Simeon prophesied is, is most particularly fulfilled in this sorrow. Mm-hmm. Though there are seven sorrows she experiences, that this is the sorrow that is, is uh, the, the sorrow of all the sorrows, the, the sorrowfulest of the sorrows. Yeah, sure. That, sure. It, that she's experiencing where she's experiencing this death as her son dies mm-hmm. in a very, um, very real way, though not literal death, a very, very real way in the emotional and the spiritual, even probably the psychological mm-hmm. realms of her life. And and this is opening her up. That yeah. that just as Jesus' side will be opened up with a spear, the sword that's piercing her heart right now in this moment is opening up her heart to become the mother that God has called her to be, become the mother that can receive all the children who God will give mm-hmm. her as the mother of the church. We were kind of joking at the beginning of this podcast, you know, about, you know, Know, don't drink beer to, to drown your sorrows, you know. <laughs> and uh, but there's something really, really, really true about that. And and our Lord and Our Lady, who who don't experience sort of the like interior dysfunction that we do. You know, all our emotions are kind of like out of whack, and we overreact to things or we underreact to things. Um, we experience hardships and pains. And so we, we turn to things to, to cope with them, to kind of numb them, uh, because we don't like feeling all of that pain. And just to think that our Lord and our lady uh, would not have done this, uh, that they would not have, you know, coped with the pain and tried to numb it or dissociated from their pain in, in some way. And that, you know, their emotions were not out of whack, that they were, you know, properly ordered. And so it's not that they don't experience things, but they actually experience things much more deeply uh, and, and, and in a proper and ordered way. And so Mary deeply experiences the pain of the cross, um, perhaps more deeply than anyone else there. She's able to understand uh, just the awfulness of it, the horror of it, the, the 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 tragedy of it all, and so she more than anyone else is is sorrowful at the foot of the cross, even though she knows resurrection is coming. 
Jesus has been very clear. If you read the gospels, see how obtuse we are. Look sure, at the, how yeah, obtuse yeah. the apostles are. Yeah. And you're, then you, at first you're like, how can you be so obtuse? Then you realize how obtuse you are personally. Mm-hmm. Like, actually, I understand it a lot. But Jesus is like, I'm going to die. I'm going to rise again. Mm-hmm. He does it multiple times. And though the apostles don't get it, mm-hmm. I'm like, no, you're not going to die. Yeah. You know. And then, then when he's dead, they're like, he's never coming. And then he's risen. They're like, is that really Jesus? <laughs> Yeah, who stole yeah. the body? You know, yeah. and yet Mary. So she knew. She believed. Yeah, she uh, believed her son. She she knew the scriptures, and yet she still experienced the sorrow. Can you? I think this is so important for people. Can you just expound a little bit about this? Their emotions were perfectly integrated mm-hmm. into who they were. Mm-hmm. So let's just go to practical example. Uh, in this same situation, you're going through some sign of sorrow in your life. Mm-hmm. You're watching a child die. You've been diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. You are, uh, whatever that sorrow might be, you just lost your job that, that someone's going through right now. What does it mean, that, some practical advice for them right now to imitate Mary at the foot of the cross, to, to integrate their emotion in that situation? Yeah, I think she, well, I first wanted to say that it takes a tremendous amount of courage and fortitude to, to suffer like that. And so, so Mary demonstrates for us just an, an amazing amount of courage to just stay with her son in this time of trial and need. You know, his, his best friends have all, have all abandoned him, save John. And, and they can't seem to, to bear what's happening. And they don't even, they don't even see the scourging or the the spitting or the mocker or things like that. And so so I think I think the first thing is just that that Mary has the courage to stay and to be present, to to see it, to look at it, um, to not turn away from it. Uh, I think of just another beautiful way that this has been portrayed for us is, you know, just that scene after the scourging and the passion of the Christ where she goes and just begins to like sop up the blood because she knows that this is the precious blood of Jesus that that saves us. Um, so I think just, just, just staying present to the pain um, and not trying to, to bypass it, not, not trying to, to look away. Uh, I mean, you know, we're fallen. We're not, we don't, we don't possess this. So we, we sometimes we do look away. It's too much for us to bear. It's going to break us possibly. Um, but I think Mary shows us that um, that this done in faith and in hope will not break us. Um, that that Mary, though, you know, sinless, is still human, um, and that her human soul is able to to bear all of this. And so I think she's a tremendous example for us of of not kind of checking out, not running away, staying present, looking at it. And experiencing with it and that she doesn't, I think there's maybe a couple different ways that we might try to, to cope with pain. One of them is, is maybe looking away. I think maybe the other way is just um, trying to then jump in and trying to fix it. Um, you know, maybe we kind of see this with Peter where he's like, no freaking way. Like, I'm like, you're not going to die. And he pulls this sword and, and uh, you know, but Lord's like, no, no, like I have to do this. And, and Mary doesn't try to prevent it. She just surrenders to the mystery of the suffering of her son. And she's just present and she suffers with. And, and that's what God is doing in this moment. And that's what Our Lady is doing at this moment, that she is really just suffering with. And that also takes a tremendous amount of courage and faith and hope and charity, not to try to 
to look away or, or make someone else look away to try to step in and, and not let them feel the pain uh, or, or try to, to prevent it from happening. But just in all humility and all courage and with all faith and hope and love, just to be there present, um, to look at it, to suffer with, and just to be present with um, the mystery of the sorrow. Yeah, That's something I think we can meditate upon this Lent in a particular way that Oftentimes we think about the apostles running away because they didn't want to be arrested. They didn't want to be crucified. Mm-hmm. But we could also meditate upon the apostles running away because they didn't want to deal with the pain mm-hmm. of watching Jesus be crucified. That they didn't want to be present to that pain. It was too much. Mm-hmm. And so they were running not from their own personal physical pain, but they're running from the emotional pain. And just reflecting upon that times we've run away and or we've tried to, like you said, prevent others, like prevent ourselves, preventing others, by yeah. trying to do something or whatever. Right? Oftentimes, oh, don't cry, don't cry. It's right. Like, oftentimes, someone's crying. I'm like, no, but keep crying. Mm-hmm. Like, you it's know, cry, necessary. Like, yeah, just just let the sorrow that you're feeling, and and then also becoming sorrowful with them. That great gift of empathy to just be sorrowful with somebody in the midst of the situation mm-hmm. is so beautiful. No, really and truly, and and I think that is. That is the space that Our Lady opens up for us. It's obviously the space that the Lord is opening up for us is that um, he became man and then dies for us on the cross to just suffer with um, and to take all of our sufferings in, in, in into his and, and to redeem it, um, but not by taking them away, but by suffering with that he redeems them. And, and, and it's Our Lady entering into that space of suffering with that, that she is in this mysterious way, we call her a, a co-redemptrix, that she is suffering with our Lord at this time. And she does the same with us in the midst of our suffering. Yes. That when we are yes. suffering, we it, we can even imagine ourselves up on the cross. So whatever that cross is mm-hmm. that we're going through and imagine Mary right there, not be, taking away the cross, but simply being there with us and allowing herself to die. Mm-hmm. There is a sword piercing her heart in a very real way in this moment. Mm-hmm. She, and she's allowing it to happen because she said yes to the prophecy of Simeon. She said yes to the plan of God. And she does the same with us. She's not afraid of your hurt. She's not afraid of your yeah. pain. She's not afraid of your difficulty. Um, and obviously neither is Jesus. And so to invite our Lord and to invite our lady into whatever that suffering is, whatever difficulty is, and not, like I said, to run away from it, not to push it away, not to push it out there, not to think somehow that we're we're weak because of it. Um, that it, like, right. and then the wrong way, like, yeah, we are weak because of it. Yes. in a good way, like we're yes. supposed to be yes. supposed to be humble and recognize our desperate need for God. But somehow that we're not strong enough if if we let us be sorrowful. We're not uh, good enough. We're not holy enough. Like the the reality is that allowing ourselves to enter into these things is so 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 beautiful. Um, just a last uh, kind of reflection on this mm-hmm. beautiful, beautiful scene of Our Lady as we're we're there, we're on the cross. It's just um, the 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 beautiful aspect of uh, of some of the words of Jesus mm. that, and it's kind of a multi part last, but I just want to go through a couple of them that I think, and just get your reflections on the sorrow Mary must have felt in this moment, like I thirst. Mm-hmm. Which is for you, obviously, a big line. It's from Mother Teresa. It's yeah, that was line. her spirituality. So I, I, her, I thirst that that Jesus was not saying I'm physically thirsty. He's saying I'm spiritually thirsty. I'm thirsting for souls, mm-hmm. which is why I'm enduring this. Mm-hmm. And that the, the the sorrow Mary feels and the thirst she has for souls, like her son does. Yeah the the first thing that I think of when you say that actually is like, how many times must she have heard her son say that to her? 
you know, even just as a little boy, you know, mom, I'm thirsty. Can I have a drink? You know what I mean? And she goes and they go to the well together or whatever, you know what I mean? And, and that, and how that would have just pierced her heart, just how all of these moments in her life um, that she has just cared for and provided for just her son and taking care of his thirst. Uh, and, and her, you know, being invited into that mystery with our Lord, where, where he is saying, I thirst. And there's a lot, so many things going on there, obviously. And it is this, this spiritual thirst where he is thirsting for souls. And that's what Mother Teresa came to, to realize. And, and so she, she would have, you know, the moment the child Jesus said, Mom, I'm thirsty. She would have jumped to, you know, get him a cup of water. Uh, and now he's at this last moment of his life and he says, I thirst. And it's and they and they give him vinegar for, for to drink and there's a spiritual reason and purpose for that. But what he's saying is, I'm thirsty for souls. And so in that same way, she responds that she just jumps to the request and she just begins interceding for souls yeah. to 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 quench her son's thirst. Yeah. Uh, and that you and I are are those souls, and that Jesus is thirsting for us, and 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 Mary just wants to bring us to her son. To, to, to quench his thirst. Do you think she was like talking to Jesus and say, Jesus, like, I need you to create somebody who can make juice boxes because <laughs> like I have sympathy for mothers that when their sons yeah. are thirsty, they had to go to the well. So juice yeah. boxes. <laughs> one day, one day, yeah, yeah. one day we'll do it with mothers of solid. Um, and then uh, the night Jesus says, Aloy, Aloy, mm. Lama Sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? One of the, first lines of a beautiful, beautiful Psalm, Psalm 22, um, where Jesus is expressing through the Psalms as through the word of God, that the feeling of being forsaken, but how beautiful that Psalm ends with praise. Mm -hmm. It doesn't end with, I am forsaken, though it starts there, you know, they've numbered all my bones and, and these, these beautiful, they've pierced my hands. There's really crucifixion imagery into but I will continue to, pra to praise. I will enthrone the Lord in the praises of, the Lord will be enthroned in the praises of Israel on this beautiful aspect, but still the sorrow Mary must have felt to know the anguish of her son. It's enough to know like your son's physically going through a hardship. You know, let's say, uh, you know, your son um, has, he broke a bone, you know, or he had cancer or, you know, had some difficult, physically, you know, he's in the hospital going through a difficult time. It's really hard as a mom to see the physical suffering. But then when you talk to him, he's like, well, actually I just feel totally desolation. Like I feel no joy. I feel forsaken by God. You just like a mother's like, no, like ripped mm -hmm. open. Like I need a, we need a mom on here to give us some commentary, but I uh, think I'm pretty accurate. And from my dad perspective here, mm -hmm. you know, that, 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 that Sarah Mary would have felt hearing her son say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yeah, and it kind of for me it circles back to like kind of what we were talking about earlier, where you know their emotional life was just perfectly ordered, and so they are experiencing the full weight of the trauma of this in a very, very deep and profound way, and 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 I, I don't know, it's it's hard for me to actually enter into to the space of of Mary at this moment, where where where, where I obviously know that I. My, my heart just thinks that the, the, the sacred heart and the immaculate heart would have just been so aligned that that, that prayer also would have been on Mary's lips. Yeah. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, 
and and then our our Lord gives gives voice to to her prayer, and their hearts are united in this. And yet, those two hearts are the only hearts that have any hope in this scene as well. And so, it is this just amazing, amazing mystery where where these two hearts are praying, "My God, My God, why have you forsaken me?" And yet, hoping in and having faith in um, what is to come. And so it's, it's, it's one of these things where, where we can easily then like dissociate or distract and just, just jump to Easter Sunday. Um, but they allow themselves just to, to be in Good Friday um, and to pray, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, and the shadow of that, while dark, um, does not completely blot out the hope that is to come Sunday morning. Um, and then, you know, a final word I think it, it's worth saying is is the the, the two thieves. Mm. She would have been there when you have this one that's just the mockery. Can you imagine just the mockery towards your son? If you're really God, come down from the cross. Yeah. That the Pharisees and the Sadducees are, are mocking him. Um, and, and she's seen all the torch. She's seen everything else. And here's this moment. And and and, and the, the thief next to him, the mockery. And the sorrow to hear, you know, yeah, yeah, if you're really the son of God, come down from the cross, take us down with you in the suffering, in the pain, knowing for well he could have done it. Yeah. Like knowing that yeah. he could have ended her pain, knowing he could have ended his, his, his own pain and suffering, and yet um, knowing the, the beauty of faith. And obviously we hear it from the, the thief on his right who says, have you no fear of God? You know, we're suffering innocently, this man's not. And then he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And today you'll be with me in paradise. Obviously the joy of that moment that Mary hears about the beautiful um, soul that's going to be joining her son in the kingdom. But just that moment of sorrow mm -hmm. of Our Lady to she see your own son mocked, your own son, knowing, and there's a difference between like mocking, like like my, if I'm trying to like, you know, bench press 400 pounds, you know, <laughs> everybody's just mocking me because I can't do it. Like, mm -hmm. I, like I cannot lift this up mm -hmm. and everybody you know, make fun of me, you know, but that's different between like, yeah, if I could like with one, one hand, I could do 400 pounds. Like mm -hmm. that's not a big deal. Jesus could get into yes. suffering and yet yeah. he doesn't. He just allows the pain and the suffering to hit him and be with him and, 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 and in our own lives as well. He allows us to suffer mm -hmm. and knowing that he could do something about it adds to the sorrow. Knowing it could end the suffering adds to the sorrow, but the faith of Our Lady to recognize He just takes the mockery. It doesn't. It doesn't face Him. It doesn't. Yes. It, it causes Him sorrow. Causes Him pain. He feels the emotion of it. Yes. But it never turns Him away from where His face is set, and that's on the will of the Father. Yeah, I actually be. I'm, I'm super curious now to kind of look at the text and see which comes first, the I thirst or this conversation. Well, two different uh, gospels, so you're gonna. Okay, okay, okay. I, so that's so pretty so, sure, but I think the thief conversation comes first. Okay, and so all uh, oh, that's anyways, but but our our lady hears this, and you know when the sword, the, her sword, the the sword has pierced her heart. Um, and, and so often suffering makes us turn in on ourselves and become self-protective. And the suffering of Our Lady, uh, the sword piercing her heart, it, it opens her heart to, to, to love and to be mother for all. And so I, 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 I think that Our Lady would have been praying for both of them. She would have been praying for the wicked thief and the good thief. Um, and hearing them mock her son would have pierced her heart. 
And, but it would not have closed her heart to those two men. Um, that, that the, their, their words, um, which are really just a revelation of their own brokenness, um, where she just is now confronted with just the bitterness and the anger and the confusion of this wicked thief. And her heart would have just been broken for him um, to love him. And she would have been praying for him and the hopes that, that he would repent and, and that he would be saved. And, and she's praying for both of those men up there. And then we see just the, the good thief responding to the grace that our Lord and our lady are, are meriting for, for the good thief where, where he, his, in his own pain, in his own suffering, um, he, he doesn't turn to the bitterness or the anger. Um, and I think our lady would have had a hand in that, that she would have been praying for him and, and he responds to that grace. And, and now we say that he is the thief that stole paradise, that in his dying breath, you know, he spent a life of, of sin and, and, and is condemned for, it, but in his dying breath, he, he is saved there, um, next to our Lord and not our lady at his feet as well. Mm, so beautiful. Hope this offers a lot of reflection for <laughs> uh, your deep, Lenten. Deep, deep mystery. Yeah, it's, it's so beautiful. And obviously something we should turn to over and over again mm-hmm. throughout the year, particularly this time, doing our stations of the cross and meditating upon this moment of how Mary felt, what Mary's experience of the cross was. Yes. Um, and the, the the deep sorrow she experienced, but but willingly experienced because she knew um, that the, the joy that came from it, the resurrection yes. and, and the soul's. Um, real briefly, mm-hmm. I, I just want to mention, because we're always kind of doing something. We're doing every time we yeah. do something a little bit extra. To a little learn tag more along. A little tag along, learn a bit more about the rosary mm-hmm. and the sorrows. But because we just celebrated the feast of St. Joseph, for those who are listening, yes, I want to go through the sorrows of Joseph. Yes. Joseph experienced seven sorrows mm-hmm. and just kind of name them. And then, um, Father, you're going to just briefly be able to touch on one of them. Okay. Um, just with, with what we're doing. So. I'm going to start with uh, the first sorrow is the doubt of St. Joseph. Obviously, here is his wife is pregnant, and um, there's a sorrow in that. Yes. Um, now, the church fathers would say that he knew Mary was a righteous woman mm-hmm. and, and that he didn't think her inf- she was unfaithful to him. Right. But there was this sorrow he ex- still experienced yes. because what well, a sorrow probably of unworthiness, a sorrow of mm-hmm. what's, you know, kind of the, why did God call me to this? You know, so what level of sorrow it was, where it came from, or the sorrow of like, I need to leave. Yeah. Like I'm not worthy to be a part of the situation yeah. and the sorrow he must have felt to like leaving Mary in this moment. Okay, she's pregnant. I gotta go. Yeah, <laughs> like, this not, is not for me. This is yeah. not for me. I'm not worthy yeah. to 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 be the person that God has called yeah. me to be in this moment and the sorrow that he must have experienced. Yeah. That. Second is the poverty in the birth of Jesus mm. that he's there to be provider. He's there to be to be the man of the house, the comforter and, and all, he cannot even find room in the end that he, while he can provide is a manger for his son to be born in. And that the sorrow he must have experienced as a father, as a man in that moment. Oh, I can't even yes. imagine. Yes. The third sorrow is the circumcision of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Just to hear your baby cry. I mean, <laughs> as a man <laughs> as yeah. well, just the pay, feeling pain for your son. But anytime your son uh, would have cried mm-hmm. and uh, obviously would have bled, we just assume Jesus would have cried in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, that, the, the, the pain he, that Jesus even experienced in that and jar, the sorrow that Joseph experienced just to know that your son is experiencing pain yeah. in that moment. His fourth sorrow is also the prophecy of Simeon. Yeah. The prophecy of Simeon where he's experiencing the sorrow of that 
um, Jesus is destined to be the fall and the rise of many. Mm-hmm. Like, oh good, the rise of many, but also the fall of many. Yep. Like, this isn't just gonna be uh, rainbows and lollipops. And two, that a sword's gonna pierce a wife's heart. Okay, by the way, like, and Joseph, I don't know if he knows that spiritual or not. I don't know if he understands sure. the full yeah. meaning or it's like, oh no, like my wife's gonna be martyred for the faith. Like she's gonna die. Yeah. Like how, how sorrow he must have experienced just hearing all those words and what did the Lord reveal to him, what he didn't. And of course the flight into Egypt, the mm-hmm. fifth sorrow, that he had to, and he was the one it was revealed to. Yes. The angel came to him. <laughs> and now he's got to take the family and say, okay, imagine. I have to go. And now I got I got to figure out how to provide for my family in Egypt. Like I forgot to give, make a journey. I would take mm-hmm. you know, my newborn son and my wife and, and to make a flight, you know, with all what we can carry as quickly as we can and get to Egypt. The sixth are the return from Egypt. And the sorry, you can't even go back to Bethlehem. Yeah. Um, I need to go up to Nazareth. Um, and, and just the sorrow of they probably had started building a life down there. Like, okay, I figured things out, you know, I've kind of got, and now I've got to move again. We've got, we have to go back. Yeah. And just the sorrow of, uh, of having to not only go back, but not go back to Bethlehem and just kind of the uncertainty that it would have experienced. And then finally the seventh sorrow, the loss of the child Jesus in the temple when he's 13, that the same, we talked about this one, the sorrow he would have felt uh, with Mary in trying to find uh, Jesus after he's been lost for three days. And so those are certainly things we can, can um, meditate upon. Uh, there's little, you can go online, there's little prayers that mm-hmm. you can just meditate on each of those sorrows, praying our father, hail Mary, glory be, and just kind of join Joseph in the sorrows and the joys, there's seven joys of Joseph That's as right. well, yeah. that's associated with each of these. Each of these sorrows mm-hmm. is connected to a joy, right? Yeah. As we talked about yeah. sorrow leading into joy to do a little devotion to St. Joseph to go closer to him in this Lenten mm-hmm. season. But Father, I'm gonna give you the opportunity to kind of pick one of those and, and expound uh, profoundly upon it. Uh, so the the third sorrow, uh, the circumcision. Uh, so I'm, I'm a Joseph maximalist. Mm-hmm. If there's a title or a privilege that can be associated with Joseph, I believe in it 100%. And so uh, who would have circumcised the child is, is there were a couple of different traditions that it could have been the priest or it could have been the father. And so I, I in my pious meditation of, of this is that I like to think that Mary in her own heart was saying, I only trust Joseph to do this. Um, that this is the man that the Lord has chosen to be my spouse, has chosen to be the, the, the father of, of, of the son of God. And so uh, you get to hold him. Uh, and that this is the first moment in which the precious blood is shed. And that Joseph would have been uh, administering that. Um, and, and I can just imagine, you know, just how delicately they would have collected the blood of Jesus. But, but then also just the, the, the sorrow and the pain and, and the mystery of, of God, you know, asking me to inflict pain upon my child and, and to, to, to circumcise him, to cut him, to shed his blood in, in some degree. And, and just how, how profoundly mysterious that is. And so I, I, I believe that, that Joseph would have been the one who actually performed the circumcision um, and that he would have done it, um, of course, with, with profound sorrow, but with just a profound tenderness and gentleness as he, you know, inflicts this, this wound yeah. upon his son and, and sheds the divine blood for the first time. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so something to meditate upon. Are there beautiful things for prayer. If you, if you struggle with praying, like this is just beautiful <laughs> yeah, things to reflect These mysteries on. are very good ways to enter just in. Just a way to enter yeah. into prayer. Um, please like or subscribe and subscribe to our podcast. Yes, please. Whatever, wherever you listen, please uh, go to our website and give us your email so we can give you email updates about our community and about our podcast. 
and you can catch up on all the latest and greatest. We are going to finish up this series for Lent. We'll get into doing a chosen uh, review season okay, three before yeah, here I we head go. out. And then yeah. we'll get in the beginning of May, a little reflection with brother Elijah about his ordination. Yeah, and exciting times have, coming. Uh, whatever, whatever they end up doing with brother Elijah and brother Paul, uh, and Father Peter. It'll be a fun summer. Over the summer, I'm sure you guys will have a blast, whatever it looks like. I will need your prayers because I will be away on uh, hiking the community yeah, of Santiago right. and taking so a retreat. So please pray for me. Um, I am delaying because I need to think of a question. If you have one, <laughs> please go ahead. It has been a long week. I have not thought of one. So that is if one has hilarious. not popped up yet, then... I'll probably go to March Madness because that's just for sure. Who'd you pick to win your bracket then? I picked Houston. Okay, so being from Texas, they were number one seed, yeah. and I went with Houston to uh, to go to win March Madness. And yeah. um, so we have a, so we don't stream. We don't have a TV. You're right. We don't have the internet in our house. We don't stream movies in the house. Mm -hmm. We have a DVDs, which are mostly Christian, not all. Some are inspirational, like Rudy. Yeah. And some just Rudy, some good, wholesome, Rudy. yeah, wholesome movies for guys to watch. Which you know, occasionally, you know, once maybe twice a month, guys will put out the projector and watch mm -hmm. a movie. And but with a special treat for Easter, is we actually stream a movie. So yeah. we go to iTunes and like download a movie. Yeah. And we go out and we watch something that's not just among our DVD collection yeah. in the house, which we don't do. Um, with the guys in the house, with the formation mm -hmm. um, in our house. And so uh, the winner of our March Madness bracket gets to pick the movie. Well, okay, it gets to be approved by Father Petrie. That's now. right, yeah. Um, but you get to pick the movie that gets watched. So it's, it's a pretty important, you know. No, for uh, sure. For There's us. a lot riding it's, on it's this a lot bracket. Riding on it. A lot so I have picked Houston and yourself. I picked Duke. It's okay. just my childhood team. So I just, you know, they're on a hot streak. So okay. can't say I've seen a second of them play this season, but I still picked them. Movie recommendations are welcome. For, yeah, uh, please. For us, please. If you have anything you think we should watch for Easter, we'd much appreciate it. Mm -hmm. That'll be one of our Easter treats. If not Easter, at least today, maybe Easter Monday, we'll be watching a movie uh, or that week sometime. And know of our love and prayers for you. So Amen. we just in particular, we turn to the beauty of the cross and the beauty of your death for us, Lord. And we thank you for it. We ask that we can come to enter into the heart of Mary as she is there kneeling at the foot of the cross. We can come to enter into the Immaculate Heart, which has been opened up because it has been pierced, that we can experience that sorrow and that pain. We can unite our own sorrows and pains to the sorrow she experienced in that moment, um, that we can not run away from it, but truly embrace the crosses you've given us to feel the freedom that you bring to us through the sorrows that we um, have to bear. We ask your blessing come down upon us as I bless each and every one of you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Become Fire podcast. The Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit can be found online at www.becomefire.faith. That's dot F-A-I-T-H. The Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit are also a 501c3 charitable organization. If you feel called in any way to give financially to their mission, please go to www.becomefire.faith slash give. That's becomefire.faith slash give. May the Lord give you his peace. We'll see you next time.